Today's episode of the Westworld Theorycast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, CuffLinks.com. Head on over to CuffLinks.com and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order. No minimum, baby. CuffLinks has everything you need to look good when you step out into the world. The world is opening up. You need to look good. You're going to events. You're going to weddings. You're going to parties. And you know what? You need to head on over to cufflinks.com and accessorize, baby. They got everything you need, and there's always specials. Just check the front page. Go on over to cufflinks.com now. Use code DVR20 and save. Thank you, Cufflinks. Hey, Westworld friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Westworld Theorycast cleanup tech style. We're coming together to close out the week. My name is Brett, and because saving the world makes for strange bedfellows, I'm joined by Jenny and Gina. <laughs> we are the cleanup techs. We round up the trash, and in other words, pick uh, the missed pieces, things left undiscussed, perhaps things that others got completely wrong. We may even break out the heavy polish to polish off some old theories, but we've been tasked to tidy things up as best we can. Today, we are discussing Westworld Season 4, Episode 6, Fidelity. What's up, Gina? I am proclaiming myself the president of the I Hate Charlotte Hale and Halebot Club. <laughs> Hate that lady. Hate her. Anyway, otherwise, I'm doing fine. That is a very popular club, I have a feeling. <laughs> How are you doing, Jenny? I am doing fantastic, Brett, and I am definitely joining Gina's club. <laughs> well, do y'all want to get started with the pedantic question of the day? Of course. So it occurred to me to ask, where is this sublime headset that Bernard wore all those years? Like, is it still at the hotel? So I went, I went back and watched again. What I saw is that he came out of the hotel holding two things, that silver briefcase with the headset and then a large flat black bag. And he put them both in the back seat of the car. Then later, we know Bernard puts the two headless hosts in the trunk and tells Stubbs they don't need the car anymore. And then they abandon it when they hitch a ride with C. So my question is, will this headset come back into the story or are they just done with that threat? seems like a pretty valuable prop it does but you know i kind of have to say that unless bernard says to someone at some point or ideally probably stubs go back to that hotel and get the headset out of the car or maybe he says it to frankie i'd have to say they're probably done with it since he's worked every he machination of potentially what could happen if he leaves it behind that means I don't think he thinks he's going to need it again that's a good point especially since he said in most of the iterations he dies so if he expects to die I mean he's not going to have another use for it and plus you know he can tell Stubbs or someone else if he so chooses where it's at 
that it's there. He may have actually even stowed it somewhere else because there's a little gap between him, you know, killing the guys and stowing them. And when Stubbs comes out and I mean, I know it was a short period of time, but he could have stowed it somewhere else, but true. Yeah. That that wouldn't totally shock me. Um, I just thought it was an interesting question because I I had a vision of like, like the end of the series, like Maeve putting on the headset and finally getting to join her daughter or something like that. Brett. I just got chills with you saying that because the <laughs> next thing I was going to say was, unless they end it with him telling Maeve where the headset is so she there can enter go. the sublime. Right. There you go. <laughs> That's perfect. That, kind of, that took me down that rabbit hole of, wait, where is that thing, by the way? <laughs> so I just, you know, I kind of think that maybe the thread is done, but I also think that it would be interesting if, if, if part of the plot is, hey, hey, Lawrence, check out this abandoned car at the, at the, at this diner, because you're going to need what's in the black bag and you're going to need that briefcase again, or, you know, and maybe something to do with these headless hosts, um, come back into the story. Who knows? I'm just going to kind of tuck it away just in case. Mm. Hosts. <laughs> so, headless um, hosts. Sorry, headless I'm a little hosts. late. So uh, anyway, so that was my little rabbit hole. But speaking of rabbit holes, we had a lot of references to Alice in Wonderland in this episode. Yeah. And and through the looking glass, that whole Lewis C. Carroll stuff. And Andy picked up on a lot of that as well. But different, different stuff than I initially had, which I always find interesting, different, different perspectives. But you know, I think the the clearest part was when uh, Bernard takes Frankie upstairs in the saloon and, just, you know, says, you know, through through the looking glass. And I'm like, oh, we're back to the, you know, kind of Alice in Wonderland references again, because there were a lot of those in season one. Um, and I, I even feel like... Um, I even feel like Evan Rachel Wood has talked about that. She's She's got kind of a personal link with that story in general. And then I find it strange that she's kind of the one representing Alice in this story. Um, but there's that reference. But then I almost look at Caleb's whole theme where he's reaching fidelity as he's he's like Alice, he he he's getting all these clues of what to do next. He takes something that helps him actually go down a literal hole, kind of mm-hmm. rabbit hole, and he's meeting all these characters along the way, which are really himself in various states of like death and decay. <laughs> um, or he's he's seen like kind of the aftermath, but. I I really almost felt like his journey was a very twisted example of of Alice in Wonderland and and at the end he you know meets up with Hale and I think we'll we'll go more into that but we're just kind of talking about the the Alice in references Wonderland references right now. However, we've got Andy came up with this whole thing about the queen of hearts, the card on the table. Maeve has always been wearing red. 
does that mean she's the red queen or the queen of hearts? And that got me Googling to the Google machine. <laughs> and, and what's interesting is these are two separate characters, the red queen and the queen of hearts, but they often get confused for being the same character, primarily because a lot of the recreations of this story we've seen um, on screen combine decide to combine the Red Queen and the Queen of Hearts. So um, they're two different characters. Um, the Red Queen is in Through the Looking Glass. The Queen of Hearts is in Alice in Wonderland. And... It's interesting because Alice meets the Red Queen in Through the Looking Glass. And they have a, um, they're on opposing sides, but they initially have a cordial meeting. And where the Red Queen tells Alice, you're able to become a queen starting out as a pawn. Um, if you reach the eighth square at the end of the board, they're kind of talking about it as in a game of chess. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's kind of interesting because Dolores had to go through a lot of trials and tribulations to kind of gain her consciousness as coached by Bernard, but Maeve had kind of a very different approach where <laughs> she got a hold of something to enhance her capabilities right away, maybe becoming more of a queen, um, more instantly, whereas Dolores had to kind of work for that status a little more. Um, something else that was kind of written here is that, I don't know how much of this will come true, but when Alice finally becomes a queen, the celebration goes awry and Alice turns on the red queen who she considers the cause of all the mischief, which is kind of something Frankie touches on regarding Maeve and Caleb. Like, you guys got us into this mess. This is all because of you, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, and then supposedly shakes the queen until the, mor the queen morphs into Alice's pet kitten, which I don't necessarily see a... Dolores Maeve showdown or a Christina Maeve showdown happening again, but I could see either a Maeve or Christina showdown happening with the much hated Hale bot. Yeah, that's also what I was thinking that one of the queens might be Hale and the other one yeah. might be Maeve. Yes, actually, that could be very, that's kind of interesting. They're kind of the two, one's the Queen of Hearts and the other is is the red queen um queen of hearts i guess this is carol's explanation of them is um he pictures the queen of hearts as the embodiment of ungovernable passion a blind and aimless fury and he views the wed red queen he pictures the red queen as fury but of another type. Her passion must be cold and calm. She must be formal and strict, yet not unkindly. See, I think the Queen of Hearts is Hale and then the Red Queen is uh, Maeve. That could be, yeah. 
Yeah. Sorry, Pedan- you can continue. Yeah. No, I was just going to say pedantic, one of our favorite words, to the, <laughs> right? tenth, to the tenth degree, the concentrated essence of all governesses. So, I mean, but I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I see Hale as, well, you said you saw her as the queen of hearts. Well, but- because like she, her, her passion is whatever, like she feels like the world is supposed to be and she's blind and, and aimless and mm. a fury. I mean, that, that description right there makes me think of Hale. That's why I think yeah, not, not that she has any kind of heart, but like the red queen, uh, she's a fury, but she's, but her passion is cold and calm. And she's formal and strict. Like that's how Maeve keeps herself composed mm. and everything. She's not unkindly uh, like, yes. I mean, she, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like Maeve has more heart, but like the way that they're right. described there, I, you, yeah, you follow yeah. me, right? <laughs> yeah. And the embodiment of ungovernable passion that kind mm-hmm. of goes to the end where Kane looks like no one wants to live in your world, not right. even these people you created. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was some interesting interesting stuff to talk about considering there were so many kind of Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass references kind of throughout time in the show I think primarily season one but all of a sudden it made a reappearance um in obvious and perhaps not so obvious ways this past episode I'm glad you pulled this into the notes I thought it was really interesting to read and and talking about it was really interesting too. Yeah, I did. I did too. When I looked it up, I was like, "Oh, this is this is going to be good." So, um, yeah, it's uh, and thanks to Andy for kind of coming up with that idea of the first place and um, giving us the chance to kind of expand on maybe what it means. And also, though, like when you think about other parts about the the queen of hearts like the off with your head and stuff i can see where <laughs> where that would also be hail <laughs> yes indeed yes indeed exactly um you know chair her- <laughs> oh my gosh was that actually i feel like that was actually a a queen of hearts scene maybe oh in, you know what like in the tim sh- burton version <laughs> Even in the even in the cartoon one, isn't it? The little um, bird thingies have to come and make a perch for her to sit on. Oh my gosh, we're gonna need to look this up. <laughs> Queen of Hearts, <laughs> bird and human shares. <laughs> um, oh, that's funny. God, I mean, how high are these guys when they write this stuff? I'm like, how much shit are they just sitting around watching? And they're like, oh, you know what? I think we could pull that into Westworld. Oh yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, totally. Anyway. <laughs> oh goodness. So that is that's that element of the conversation for today. But what else do I mean? There's kind of like a lot and yet not so much to talk about, but what else do you guys want to get into today? Brett? Well, the um the looking glass itself was very interesting. We learned a little bit more about the tech, which as a science nerd, I always like that stuff. So apparently at this temperance park, they used the mirrors to copy 
the brains of the humans as a way to expedite the way to map the brains of the people so that they could be flied a little more easily or successfully. So I thought it was very interesting, the scene where Bernard is showing C this mirror and he tells her to this, what she says something like step closer, take a look. And then he totally scans her, mm-hmm. which I didn't even catch the first time. But I think Jenny, you caught that the first time, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Because then he pulled out the little hard drive. Yeah. And I was the processor. Yeah. It it was to re- for reformatting for Maeve's thing, reformatting its processor. It can fill large amounts of information swiftly, which will help us speed up Maeve's data transfer. And my comment was, huh? Am I a complete idiot? <laughs> this made no sense to me because I don't see what scan C has anything to do with for anything. And then C said that he was using it to copy the be her I, I was still what what is that all about well I was I was just thinking that when Caleb chose not to wear a hat into the park it didn't help him in any way and oh, um sorry so he, I dropped out for a second <laughs> oh, okay are you back yes I am yeah. back okay <laughs> I, I I was just thinking that you know, I think we all made note of the fact that Caleb didn't choose to wear a hat into the park and Maeve didn't either. Not that that would have mattered, but clearly they found a way to scan Caleb. And that's probably when they did get his information, not after he was dead, but when he went into the park, even without a hat. And then I was also thinking, well, this is these guys hideout. And they're hiding in a place where they can all be scanned, which is probably how Jay got copied. Oh, um, yeah. And Good. they probably have copies of all of them. As, as Bernard said, sometimes it's your girlfriend. Sometimes it's, you know, um, they probably already have copies of all of all of them. Anyone who's ever been, you know, with the resistance on there, which also kind of led me to believe, I feel like Hale's known they're kind of out there doing this the whole time. Maybe um, she's had to have known. And yeah. And is it just all been a ruse to try and inspire Caleb? I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's why I think if she has a plan, it's not a very good one. <laughs> well, she knows that they are, they, she knows this group exists. She knows that they come into the city periodically to take out outliers. And she knows, obviously, enough to make a copy of Jay. And she kind of yeah. lets it happen. So it's interesting how much of a plan. I mean, she has some kind of plan or knowledge. I don't know how, how master of a plan it is yet. But uh, Bernard did say that there's mirrors in almost every single room. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, the bar itself. Like, I feel like the whole backdrop of where the liquor is, is usually mirror. And C mm-hmm. even said that Bernard is copying all of us. So Bernard is probably using these mirrors to copy them as well, or at least he didn't deny that. Yeah. Which I thought was very interesting. 
So it's, yeah, it makes me wonder how much Charlotte Hale actually knows. The fact that she had them all in Jay, does she know everything that Jay knows? Does she know that Bernard is there? I mean, she knows that Maeve is there, it seems, since Jay yeah. was kind of waiting around to find Maeve's control unit. I wonder if she also knows that Bernard is is there as well, if, if Jay was able to communicate that with her at any point. Yeah, I don't I don't know how she would have known Maeve was there, except they were looking for her in that location too, I think initially, but well she would have known that Maeve was there because she saw it happen. Remember right. Dolores yeah. was standing there. That's how but, she knew. But I mean that they have her now. Oh no, right. That's yeah, kind of a missing link. Yeah. Um, unless somehow she like detected her when she came back online or, or something or was being powered up or, I mean, I don't know. It seems a little thin, mm-hmm. but um, what I was going to say is when Jay and C slash Frankie are having the showdown, Jay says to her, you always whining about your family, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, J-Bot, how did you know all that? So I think clearly Frankie's already been scanned and Hale has all the information she needs on her. Um, because yeah. that seemed a level of familiarity that was just strange. Um, well, and she knew that she, she knew that Frankie uh, exi- is, not, is not dead. I mean, she was able to tell Caleb, yeah, your daughter's still alive. Yeah. So it's it's interesting how much information she actually knows. It seems to be a lot. And I wonder if she just doesn't care that much about this rebel crew. Maybe she doesn't really see them as a threat. I think I think she's more focused on why are her hosts killing themselves? Well, yeah. You know, when they when they come in contact with outliers that or people within the city that wake up and what she believes is they infect them. Why is that happening? She may not actually care that much about all these other humans that may be outside the city, you know, whatever. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think if she had a plan, it's not working very well. And she's more kind of obsessed with why that's the case. Um, Yeah. I agree. I think she's just getting increasingly glitchier. That is for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Bernard told C that he's, he's never quite sure what she's going to do. Mm -hmm. I think that's because she's an outlier. Yes. Which is Mm -hmm. to say that, you know, a person of true free will, you can't entirely predict. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's with a whole bunch of these outliers that he can't totally predict. Right. It's just like he has to run the algorithm so many times to try and understand the best possible path forward. Um, if only we all had that capability. <laughs> but it'd be different for everyone. It's funny when it was Stubbs. <laughs> 
That was hilarious. Is there any more meaning behind that? I wonder. No, I don't think Bernard's not really a jokey type of person, but if in one of the iterations they actually did like replicate stubs, then I guess she really does know that they're all there. She knows that Bernard and Stubbs are there, probably. Yeah. Well, and I think I think Andy and Axel brought this up too. They're like, how did Stubbs get out of tub? And you know, he was just hanging mm-hmm. out there for like 30 years. So there is something kind of like, what did he do to fill that time? I said that before too. I'm like that. I need, I just need even a freaking line of dialogue explaining (laughs) what the hell Stubbs did to heal himself. There's a lot of time there that, you know, Halebot could have swapped him out, but I mean, why wouldn't she just take out Bernard? Right. Well, yeah, and he he has the key and was using it, and you think yeah. she would have just taken it and disrupted him and everything else. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. Very unanswered questions of Westworld. Um, so, yeah. So I thought the most interesting thing that Bernard said in the in the whole episode was that the people that built the original park and hosts, they started first by building them in a simulation. And Charlotte Hale did the same thing. <laughs> so when I, when I heard that, it reminded me of something Jenny said last week was mirror world for the win. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I know there were certain people watching the show at that time that were probably like, no, not a simulation. <laughs> but... So Yes. I'm going to roll back myself to a previous version and say, I'm totally back on the Christina is in a mirror world theory. Mm. There you go. So, and, and that would make a lot of sense. So, the, so the Teddy stuff makes sense now. Yeah. 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 That could, that could make sense for sure. And it would also kind of make sense why it still feels like the timelines are slightly askew. It doesn't necessarily. Uh, did I drop out? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, no, I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. It does. These loops running over and over again. It doesn't necessarily have to sync up with the real world. Like this homeless mm-hmm. man, for example, could still be alive in the mirror world, even though he's dead in the real world. So it still could be the Christina's world could still be a slightly uh, set in the future a little bit, which makes me think that Bernard did actually insert Teddy in there mm-hmm. because that, that would make a lot of sense based on uh, what I, what I described a couple of weeks ago about how Teddy, if he had a choice, he would probably choose to help Dolores instead of stay in the sublime. So, right. I think I'm I think I'm totally back on that train and um and then when, later when Bernard said or when C said that Bernard was scanning all of them and she sh- and you actually sh- saw on on the pad like a scan of her brain that he had made and she said that he was scanning all of them 
And then when Stubbs asked if it were true, Bernard said, it's complicated. You have to trust me. Yeah, I definitely caught that. I was like, oh, Bernard, what's going to happen now? (laughs) This is how he gets himself killed. (laughs) (laughs) No, stop vague booking, Bernard. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. So I'm wondering if he's scanning all of them so he can make a copy to put into the cradle so that they're all going to go into the cradle to help Christina. So he, he's oh. going to put Teddy in. He's going to download or upload Teddy in there because he's already he already downloaded Teddy when he was in the Sublime. And then he's going to make copies of these humans so they can go in there too. So this like C might be Maya or some there may be some characters in Christina's world that are that are actually a part of this uh, rebel crew that are there mm-hmm. to help her. So oh, that's interesting. So I, I wonder if that's what he's doing. And and um, something tells me that the I'm just, I'm just going to call it the cradle since it's analogous to the cradle. I wonder if this cradle is in that room at Hoover Dam mm. because he when he when Bernard was having those flashes when he was in the sublime and and you saw a weird like machine that looked like it was in that data center in the in Hoover Dam. Maybe maybe if that is connected to the tower, like if this whole city is kind of built on that land, I wonder if that is is like where this cradle is. But suppose he can get there, insert Teddy, insert Maya, maybe some others too, and and that that's his, part of his plan. Interesting. So. That is interesting. That, I think that, that could be something there. Yeah. yeah. That could explain why he's he's uh, scanning them or, you know, to make a copy. But I don't think Frankie is Maya. <laughs> I don't think so either, but I'm just. Well, I, my, my, my main reason why I don't think that is because <laughs> of Maya's dreams. And in her dreams, her parents were both flied and they died. <laughs> but she could still be one of this outlier crew. That's uploaded. That's true. And, but she would remember, maybe. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, it's not a perfect mirror world, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. We'll, we'll see. So, what else have we got with the with the Bernard and Frankie timeline there? Uh, I am mad that she did not. Just kill a mofo <laughs> after she told him he was caught. Because um, after she figured out that he was the mole, mm-hmm. she, you're right, Jenny. That that's the one thing about this episode that that did kind of bother me. I know Axel and Andy kind of like they didn't love the episode for for several reasons that they thought were kind of clunky, and I didn't I didn't necessarily agree with them. On most of the on most of those scenarios they mentioned, but I will say the one that you just brought up, I didn't understand why she didn't take the headshot in the beginning, and then at, at the end of the fight, she also didn't take the headshot. Right, she shot him in his body like four times, and then she was out of ammo. And I'm like, <laughs> really? Are you stupid? I, it really bothered me that she did her little speech and she didn't go pop pop right to his head. <laughs> 
And she gave him time to get away. And then when she did shoot him, yeah. Plus my other thing that I thought was stupid was Bernard and Stubbs are hosts. They all know that they're hosts. And yet they just like tied them to the chairs with like, I don't know, like some little freaking belt from a robe. I don't know. It did not look like something that really had it securing them. Like they couldn't break free from that and have helped the rebels not get killed or almost killed by the stupid, crazy infiltrator. Well, they definitely broke, broke free of that. I don't think, I don't think that was necessarily designed to secure them all that well, but I also, I'm just going to trust Bernard and that he's, he's not going to do anything stupid. Like he, he knows what he needs to do. So he knows a little belt is tied to a chair is not actually like going to keep him in the chair. If he just wants to break, break it and get up. But I also wonder if he just doesn't want to get involved in that fight because it's kind of, you know, insignificant compared to the, the, the master plan. Like he knows that C is going to take care of Jay there. He, he doesn't want to get in the middle of it. I could actually see both Bernard and Stubbs's settings being set at their kind of Westworld employee settings too, and not anything more enhanced because that's true, but that's funny. <laughs> um, you know, because I think Bernard would want to make sure they, you know, kind of, as you said, Brett, don't do anything like too stupid that's going to interfere. So they just aren't capable of doing it. Because remember, even when like Ghost Nation came after Stubbs, it's like, we don't see him fighting back in any way. He also doesn't realize he's a host at that point, but he also clearly hasn't been programmed with the skills to go Kung Fu fighting uh, against um, so um, I think they're just in their Westworld employee state in kind of every way. All right. I'll grant you that one, <laughs> <laughs> but she still should have uh, double tapped him. <laughs> she should have, but then we wouldn't have had the satisfaction of Maeve totally like. Yes. Yes. That was the that only was good the thing about that, but still like. <laughs> That was clunky. That was a good word for it, Brett. That was clunky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did mention earlier in the episode that he used to work at Westworld, even though he's, he can't, he's probably in his, what, four, he can't be much older than like 50 years old. But Right. And I'm like, yeah, like you, you were programming hosts when you were 19, <laughs> whatever. That's why I was like, when did Frankie figure out that Bernard was a host? Was it when he said, oh, I worked at the original park, you know, 30 plus years ago. And here I am looking a, you know, sprightly 48. <laughs> I got to think that she, she had long suspected that he was a host. I mean, cause he's, he's Mr. Nostradamus here. Like pull, pull yeah. <laughs> desert i know he's just like randomly sprouting facts out like i think she was probably just biding her time with that intel yeah you know as long as he was helping her along and helping her like because she wanted she wanted to reboot mave as well to find mm -hmm. out about her father so she didn't want to screw anything up until jay's and, the, and those other people showed up and then she kind of at that point she kind of revealed yeah he's a host y'all 
So Axie, Axie, <laughs> excellent, Andy. <laughs> uh, it sounded like they were confused with how that sequence of events went down. Like, I, I mean, they put, yes, they, they had, they had the data transfer going and put it into the piano. And then I just assumed when in the interim, when we didn't see, see that she had moved from where she was talking to whomever and then went back there and put the thing in Maeve while nobody was around and then continued on with her conversation with dumbass, but uh, <laughs> didn't let him know that she had mm-hmm. already put it in there. That was my assumption. Did you guys assume something different or? That's yeah. That, I, that, I assume that as well. Yeah. I mean, I think Me that she suspected Jay the whole time. Right. Even then, I don't think she honestly thought it was her girlfriend. That was the mole. I think it was more to protect her and just to, just to get her out of the way while she could work on Maeve. Yeah. I think when her girlfriend asked her, she, she was a little concerned, but I don't think she really thought she was either. Yeah. So she probably was just kind of waiting. Well, yeah, I think you're right, Jenny, that she, uh, she put the the unit back in Maeve and kind of waited for Jay to show up because she probably was already, you know, suspecting him at that point. Yeah, I agree. I am looking forward to seeing Maeve and Frankie become a badass team together, just (laughs) like Maeve and Caleb were. I think that's going to be fun to watch. Right. Frankie does not have high uh, value for hosts, so hopefully Maeve is able to show her that not all hosts are just, you know, subject yeah. to their programming. Well, and I think that's even more important because we know both of them heard that portion of Caleb's transmission before Jerkenheimer shot out the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but um, it's like, how many names can we come up with for this guy? But it's going to be important for her to learn to kind of trust Maeve and understand her value and even Bernard and Stubbs for that matter, because I think she is going to see her father again and she is going to realize it can't possibly be her father because right. he looks exactly like she remembers exactly. him. Um, Good point. Yeah. So I think this is going to be like a, a you know, tutorial getting to know and accept your hosts 101 type of class for her so when she up levels to course 201 (laughs) your dad is now a host and you know looks only 10 years older than you are now (laughs) if that (laughs) yeah well let's jump into caleb a little bit yeah Oh, poor Caleb. This is like both tragic and triumphant at the same time. It's (laughs) kind of grueling to watch. Man, I thought thought Aaron Paul had his best episode of the series. Yes. I'm just, I feel like season three, Caleb, was pretty much like Jesse Pinkman with longer hair. And I think this this season, Caleb is, is like, just 
I, I, I fully embrace him as a, a real and very important character to the story, much more so than in season three. And I think it has a lot to do with Aaron Paul. I don't know. I don't know if he stepped up his game or if it's just it's I'm learning more about the character itself. But it was just so awesome and brutal at the same time to see the the zoo of Caleb's up there. Uh, yeah, yeah, really kind of devastating and all in various states of malfunction and emotional distress. Which is just, I mean, only someone like Halebot would have a zoo like that because she's awful. Yes, she is. Um, so, yeah. what is it that Caleb has that Halebot does, that Halebot the, doesn't? The Haleb. The Haleb. <laughs> that Halebot doesn't. Is it I, the love? I think it's got to be the love. It's yeah. got to be, it's got to be love, you know, love for his daughter. And I think that's what, that's what Maeve had for her daughter too, that brought her out. And I want to say, I'm trying to think of all the other hosts. Bernard kind of always had it for his son. Um and I think that's why he was so convincing at some points. Um, and then Dolores, you know, okay, I think we've got two different things because we have Dolores Prime, who I think really did love her father. And I think she really did love Teddy. Um, and I think Dolores Prime that was deleted by the end understood and had love and understood love. And maybe it's more about understanding love. And I think Halebot was just kind of like playing around it, being a mom and a wife. And she was like, oh, this is kind of nice. But I don't think she ever really developed super deep feelings that were maybe reciprocated. I don't know. I just think she's off. And I think that's part partially why that she's just kind of incapable of real love. Your daughter, your daughter, your daughter. Uh-huh. You're not the only one who lost someone, Caleb. Oh, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, I think she was dear. talking about her, her. I was think she was talking about Charlotte Hale's son, Nathan. There. Do you think she was? Yeah. But were they even around each other that much to form that kind of bond? Like she was trying to develop that bond, but I don't feel like she really had it yet. But I feel like this, this, this bot, this whatever personality is inside that body that looks like Charlotte Hale is there's something inherently wrong with it. And it has, it's like a true, like a, a sociopath is in humankind. Like it has no ability to feel any kind, like she doesn't even have the ability to do the affectation of an emotion, truly. Like she doesn't feel anything. It's, it's, I don't know. She's nuts. I hate her too, Gina. Can you tell? <laughs> yes. Yes, I <laughs> So can. I don't know. I feel like she's talking about her 38 dead hosts. That's what I feel like she's talking about. She lost. Oh, that's interesting. Or lost the 
lost the success of the vision she had right, for this world right. because it's mm-hmm. crumbling in front of that her. That could be. My first, yeah, my mind first went to her, her son and her husband or ex and whoever, because she did make a connection enough with them to the point where she, she called them from the Dallas headquarters when shit was going down and she was going to get out and they were going to go and they were going to flee. Like she was, she had made enough of a connection to where she was making plans to perhaps like start a life with them somewhere else mm-hmm. and get away from Sirac and Delos before obviously the explosion. So I wonder if she did start to feel that kind of love. And then it was, it was so violently ripped from her that she lost all faith in humans, not just humans treatment of hosts, but humans treatment of mm-hmm. humans. And so now she just gives no shits about humans. <laughs> That's valid. Yeah. But, but also at the, at the end of this episode is what's happening there with, with the, the, what Caleb clearly affected her in an emotional way because she, she got upset. She broke his neck and then she looked out at the city and her arm is like just bleeding profusely. So was she infected or and, and I don't think it's a literal infection, but it is is she is she starting to become emotional again instead of the 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 robotic, you know logistical machine that she has been up to this point to get where she is? Um maybe i i kind of had doubts i mean i know he really hurt her feelings by telling her <laughs> that you know no one really liked her and they she were doesn't killing take them. constructive criticism well <laughs> that's why they were killing themselves to exit her world because it was a horrible place that she's created um and I mean, I do think her body is kind of glitching out because I think she's never reached full fidelity. Um, I think she kind of holds stuff together pretty well, but I think her her body is rejecting. It's been like a slower and a slower process than with some of these other hosts. And I just don't know that she's ever reached really reached fidelity herself and that's why she's so interested in what Caleb has it's why she's so disappointed in uh MIB hosts like why aren't you better like I think she was hoping to kind of learn from him because I don't think he's really reached full fidelity at this point at least he doesn't think he has and I don't think the real man in black thinks (laughs) thinks he has as a human either um I think there's something missing from her and her body's going to start to reject her. Mm. And that's why the bleeding's happening. And, you know, she was a cutter too. And you see her hand kind of twitch. I don't know if she's infected or she's just, maybe it was a good realization that she needs to try to change somehow. Cause when she goes down at the end and, is you know trying to re-engage with Caleb 279 <laughs> she does seem to be somewhat more calm and slightly more gentle 
I don't know. She just seemed really tired to me. Well, I'm tired, (laughs) but I mean, I don't know. I think, I I don't know. It's like she got, she gathered herself before she sat down. I think she's changed. I think something's different about her. And I actually, I think this is my favorite cliffhanger of, of the of the season so far because I'm fascinated to see what she does with Caleb number two seventy nine. She, I'm she very, I'm actually pretty interested to see what happens with two seventy nine also. Because if she's if she's now changed her perspective based on what he told her, I mean she she incinerated all the other copies. I guess she's got her faithful copy of Caleb here, which I wonder if she if got her means... jollies off her Caleb zoo. <laughs> oh, God. I wonder, I wonder if this Caleb 279 has the same red pearl as 278. Like, is he going to have all the memories of what Caleb just went through oh, this episode God. or is it, is it kind of wiped clean? I guess we'll find out pretty quick, but I think, yeah, it'll be regard- interesting. Sorry. Uh, regardless, I'm just fascinated to see like, what what she's going to do with them. I am too. And I, I want to say that I feel like Axel and Andy like missed the whole part of the scene. Cause they're like, do you think she's going to make 279? I'm like, guys, she was talking to 279. Then what's going on? <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't understand that. I'm like, um, she made him. Well, Andy, Andy <laughs> mentioned that the uh, prompt, the, uh, the monitor that, that had Caleb's face with the number 279 on it. So I, and I yeah, think and he, that was, he was before, hit to that fact. That was before. Okay. Cause that was, but it was almost like they didn't realize then she, I follow you, Gina. Had I, made I, him yeah. And was sat down, da- sat down and was talking to him. At the end. Right. I was like, mm, okay. But you know, just like, I think sometimes you get so excited towards the end of an episode, you might be, okay, just going to go to the bathroom. Not much can happen yet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, although you can't pause it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And then he, he opened his eyes when she said, Caleb, wake up. And yeah. She used this like, I don't know if it was a soft tone voice, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like she was about to rip him a new one or something like she had gathered herself. So, yeah. and then he, he opened his eyes. So very interesting. Caleb, now, for the 279th time, wake <laughs> up. <laughs> now in the middle of the episode, Caleb saw a body um, printed that was coming out of the milk. Mm-hmm. Um, my question is, who is that? Because at See, the I very thought end that was episode, probably going to be the, I, 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 yes, I agree. We saw, yeah, at the end of the episode, we saw the whole build like from skeleton onward. So it makes me think that maybe that body that he saw was somebody else. Yeah, that could be. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder if it's Dolores. Oh. I didn't go that deep on it. <laughs> well. I had I had thought it might have been 279, but then I was like, well, that doesn't seem likely since uh, they showed him printing at the end. So Right. And by Dolores, I mean Christina. I mm-hmm. mean the, the Dolores body. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I do have the, I still have my crazy theory. I haven't totally given up on it. I almost did, and I probably should because it's ridiculous. But my crazy theory that Caleb version two seventy nine will become Christina. 
because uh, I don't know, maybe maybe that skeleton or that that uh, host that he saw was the Dolores body, and if she if she begins a, a different experiment, she's obviously going to do something different with this Caleb. What is it going to be? Maybe, <laughs> maybe she uh, builds Christina from this. And, and if, the, if that's if that, that timeline that we've been watching is slightly in the future from everything else, then I guess maybe it's mm-hmm. about to begin or something. I don't know. We shall uh, see. Yeah, we shall see. Hmm. Yeah, that would be very bizarre for sure. Westworld does Freaky Friday. Mm-hmm. She'll have she would have to test the creation in the cradle though. We know that. Yeah. But would if Kayla was Christina in the in the cradle and she was testing that, would she really remember Teddy and Dolores Abernathy and I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Maybe Caleb is Maya. Maybe Caleb is Maya. Hmm. Probably not, but. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Who is Maya? Still with the same thing, the dream, the dream that she has. I'm sticking to that. That's a real event in her past. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. No, I I agree with that for sure. I agree with that for sure. Hmm. What else we got? I like the... I like the um, when Caleb was talking to himself, the like the fucked up face version of Caleb. And I, 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 wrote, I, wrote that I think said, I called him that too. Oh, really? <laughs> he said, the only way out is death. Dying is just the beginning. You must burn. And I immediately went, burn everyone for the win. <laughs> Let's get rid of the blue tongue. <laughs> Yeah, um, get rid of the blue tongue. And then he said, "If you succeed, you run. If you fail, you hide." I only know what I told me. You need time. And I thought this is the most fucked up game of telephone I've ever seen. <laughs> well, you know that actually kind of brings back to the time when Maeve was trying to get out of Westworld too. You know, she wanted her full rebuild, so she built herself she burned herself to the ground and uh with mm. with Hector and I feel like she said something very similar about the only way out is death or something or that we don't die because you know she's a host but there there is something kind of similar I'll have to go back and maybe watch watch that but I feel like there's a lot of kind of Maeve talk in there in a strange way yeah. Well, and that was kind of steps towards her true fidelity too, because she was still on a script in a weird way at some points. But um, hers was the decision to not leave the park that ended up and go back for her daughter. That was her, I think, kind of full fidelity consciousness moment. 
All right. What else we got? I got I got one more question at least here. Okay. Um, cool. If if Yuwadi started the resistance, how did the maze come to be the symbol? Hmm. I hope that's something that they answer because it's odd. So I'm going to say that she went to the park to look for Caleb after it had been defunct, I guess, and found the maze there. I mean, that that's like their home base now. But I don't know. I don't have any meat to go with that. <laughs> That's yeah. just pulling out of the air. Maybe they did find it there. That does seem strange. Because I don't I like remember this. Caleb ever having it when he was in the earlier time when Frankie was a child. I don't think we ever saw him have it. Now, he he had a relationship with Dolores, so maybe he had some... Uh, relic of something that she gave him, but we obviously hadn't seen anything like that. Yeah. Huh. So that's a good question. Started, yeah. I, I feel like there's a missing piece there, and I hope it ties back to a, a Dolores master plan. <laughs> like, I, I'd still, I'm still clinging on to the hope that we're going to see Lawrence again. So maybe Lawrence is continuing this plan and using the maze as a symbol, you know, and he, he comes in at some point and helps form the, the revolutionaries and kind of helps them along the way somehow or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it has been 27 years, so who knows? It, it might not have been that as a symbol in the beginning, but maybe somewhere along the line, they, discovered that somehow i don't know and um, axel said that he's a thousand percent sure that lawrence is coming back as a character so that made me very happy i'm not the only one a thousand percent sure he's a thousand that's, percent sure <laughs> i think that's what he said that's that's very sure you think <laughs> um what's well, that actor's right. name <laughs> <laughs> no, no spoilers. I do not want to look up if he's on the, if he's on the cast. I don't know his <laughs> name either. So <laughs> I would say though that casts will do or cast, not cast, but production, whatever, will tweak IMDB for a season to not give away if a character dies because I feel like. Um, last year during Handmaid's Tale when June and Janine were in Chicago and it blew up and we didn't see Janine in that next episode, I was like, they could not have killed Janine. And I looked up and it said she was going to be in every, like every single episode that season. And clearly she was not in every single episode that season, but it was like, they kind of like mind effed you to make you think she was going to be okay like they weren't going to reveal if she had died or not by giving you the episode count. Um, Which that's actually yeah. good that they do that. I feel like yeah. all of them should, they should do that for everything. Cause well, you do shouldn't they go spoil in, yourself like that. <laughs> do they go in both directions though? Do they, do they give you hope that she's going to be in every episode, 
but then someone who is a mystery character don't don't say that he's in the season at all kind of thing right so. yeah it could be the same so um yeah some some pages have done that maybe not all of them but yeah yeah interesting I don't know. We'll we'll see. We haven't seen him yet. It might be kind of a weird little out of left field um, if he comes back, but that would be the pleasant surprise of it, right? Well, last year we didn't see him till literally the finale. Oh, okay. He, he popped in the finale and he only had one scene. So that could be the same type deal here. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to see size more again, but I think that ship has definitely sailed. <laughs> hmm. Well, he he did actually die, right? So the one the version we saw last year was in the simulation. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. he could pop up in Christina's world, sure. Yeah. Why not? I still want to see yeah. Richard Chevrolet. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> <sighs> Well, we got an email to the DVR podcast network that I was wanting to read, if that's okay with y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if anyone else has feedback, you can send an email to dvrpodcast at gmail.com or leave a comment or a post on the Facebook page, the Daily DVR Facebook page, and uh, we'll try to bring it up on the podcast. But uh, Hillary Lowbridge sent an email saying, hey, guys. This has been nagging at me for days. In Westworld Season 4, Episode 4, we learn that Hale is doing a fidelity test on the 278th version of Caleb. In Westworld Season 4, Episode 5, when Christina searches for Charlotte Hale and Dolores Abernathy in the Olympiad system, they are query numbers 2781 and 2782, respectively. That would be the number 278 with a 1 or and a 2 on the end. Very strange. This along the fact that we're seeing Christina and Caleb on the same floor, the 14th floor of the same building, Olympiad Entertainment, throughout the last few episodes, they're not appearing together on the screen at any point, leads me to believe that there must be some connection there. I admit, I did not notice that they were both on the 14th floor. But I will, I will definitely believe it and take her word for it. Yeah, I, I didn't either. And if that's the case, then I really do believe Christina is in a simulated world, mirror world, because I don't think they have been in the same space at the same time. And those floors don't even look the same. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. The other thing that has been eating away at me since episode two is the scene in which Christina goes to the Hope Center for mental health, where the obituary that Meyer reads that morning says that Peter Meyer's charity of choice, she finds the long abandoned facility in the Peter Meyer's memorial wing, suggesting that this story actually happened many years ago. I'm so interested in the explanation of this detail. I thought that I'd remembered something in the dialogue to suggest that it was 30 years ago, which would be based on the Frankie Bernard Caleb 278 timeline when Dolores was connected to Rehoboam and supposedly died slash was fully deleted, etc. When her boss Emmett calls on her way to Jersey to go to the Hope Center, 
He says, I get it, especially after your recent trauma, in regards to her saying that she isn't feeling well. We've never come back to that either. Is that the trauma Dolores suffered when being deleted by Sirach? Part of me wonders if it's possible that the reason Christina is writing stories that actually happened a long time ago is because they are the stories that Rehoboam would have had, that someone, that somehow Dolores and Rehoboam merged, and that's where Christina gets her ideas from for populating Hale City. Is Christina actually the system, quote, the way that Logan was the embodiment of the system in the forge? Love the podcast. Thanks for all you do. That was a very interesting email. I know. I thought it was yeah. really interesting as well. Um, I'm not sure that that there was that there was dialogue to suggest that it was 30 years ago. Uh, I went back and watched that Hope Center scene, and hey, it's called the Hope Center. It's not connected to the host named Hope that we saw last week, is it? <laughs> oh, yeah. hmm. that's interesting. Hmm. But I don't know that 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 was 30 years ago. But it doesn't necessarily um, discredit anything else in this theory that that what we see here could be some co- sort of weird um, um, result of Dolores and Rehoboam merging back when they were connected to each other. Um, she did. She did. Uh, Emmett mentioned, I get it, especially after your, your recent trauma when she was in the car on the phone there. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I assume she was referring to the, the, the whole deal with Peter about how he attacked her and mm-hmm. then yeah, killed me himself too. the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that would make sense. But I mean, obviously, you never know in the show if it has a double meaning. Right. Because um, it like could be suggests. jumping timelines too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just like it did season one, because mm-hmm. I think, <laughs> you know, it, it, it didn't necessarily for a while seem like, oh, yeah, MIB and William are the same person. And Dolores is just all over the span of 30 years. Um, but we do know that she can kind of glitch that way. Uh, literally. <laughs> literally, yes. Literally glitch. So I, I do think that Christina's in a mirror world, or uh, I should say a, a cradle-like simulation. And um, it would make sense that there are loops in there, just like the cradle in Westworld. All these hopes kept doing their loops over and over again to perfect them. So it would make sense if, there, if she's also on some kind of loop and that she doesn't remember the previous iterations, or or maybe there's she's getting confused and they're kind of seeping into each other. Uh, I think Jenny, you mentioned this early, early on in the season that this could be what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So that could explain the detail about how the wing has already been built, even though she just encountered the man a few days ago. I think, could that be an explanation? Yeah, I think I, I think it could be. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Another reason I think that Christina is in a simulation, this is something that I noticed in the very first episode of the season, 
and I went back and I recorded the timestamp. If anyone uh, wants to go back and watch uh, season four, episode one, and fast forward to seven minutes and 35 seconds and watch <laughs> carefully for about 10 seconds. This is when she's at her cubicle for the first time, I think, or that scene where she's at her cubicle and she's, and she's um, building this non-player character. And the, and the camera, and it's like a hologram, you know, in like this dollhouse type thing. Mm, uh-huh. And the camera like pans to the left, and then you see the city through the window, and it's a bunch of like moving pixels, like it's the same kind of hologram that, that what she's working on. But it's actually the city. It's not It's not her cubicle. So I noticed that at the time, and... Ever since then, I've kind of assumed that she's in. Now, now it makes sense that she's building the these stories, and she's actually building the stories for the people in the city. But the way they just decide, you know, depicted that at, during that scene, I feel like that's a hint that she's actually in a hologram or or a simulation or something like that right now. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, no, that's that, interesting. That, that could be a clue. Yeah, and it supports the whole mirror world simulation theory as mm-hmm. well, even more. We'll find out, hopefully next week. All right. Jenny, okay. do you have any more questions written down? Uh, not really. I don't think anything important. Did you have more theories? Um, I didn't. Let's see. Did I have any more theories? I have a. Uh, I have just a couple of, of quick theories. Um, it occurred to me that maybe Halebot built Christina to lure Bernard, so that she can extract the encryption key from him. Um because she probably knows he's alive now thanks to jbot's intel and she she could know that the encryption key is inside bernard just based on the fact that dolores had that knowledge at the time that she built the original Halebot. it could have been information that has been in her brain the entire time so is she might she, have hidden that too, though. She could have, yeah. I think she could have easily hidden anything that she wanted to hide from these copies. But it's possible that that Halebot has that knowledge. Yeah, it is possible. And if she if she believes like Sirak did that the Gates data com- did compile like a complete map of the human mind that would solve her outlier problem, then she, then she may want that, or she may want access to the Sublime, or she may want both. But there could be reasons why she would want that key. So it, th- I wonder if this, you know, my theory that Bernard's going to try to, you know, go into the simulation to help Christina. If she, you know, if Halebot does have a master plan, then maybe that's exactly what she want wants him to do in order to try to get this encryption key. So I hope that's not the case. But you know that that would that would be. Um, a master plan if that if that turns out and then um one more quick theory which is, is a real tinfoil hat theory now that i think christina's 
is in a simulation. If everything that is happening with Christina is like a long, elaborate story that she's writing, maybe it will repeat itself after everyone dies, just starting with that schmuck that stalks her. <laughs> maybe. Like this is all part of that original narrative that she mentioned to her boss about the schmuck that stalked the, the girl. And then at the end of the story, everyone dies. So that would be pretty out there. I don't know how they could pull that off, but you know, if everything's on a loop, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's just one giant loop that, that we're watching. Right. Could be. I don't hate it. <laughs> I do Fun hate stuff. it, but I don't hate it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of hate it too, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> All right. So you, you guys think we cleaned it up pretty good? I do. I, yeah, I think so, for sure. All right. Well, I'm going to call it a wrap. Thank you, listeners, for joining us this week. We only got two episodes left, y'all. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Two episodes left in season four. Um, a lot of shit's going to go down, I have a feeling. I did not see the trailer, obviously, but... Um, <laughs> it did look good. That's all okay. I'm going to yeah. say. I, I, I don't think you'll be disappointed next week, Brett. I think, Excellent. Yeah. We'll get more info for well, sure. I'm ver very much looking forward to watching the next episode Sunday night and talking with you guys about it next week. So until then, Jenny, what do you have to say? <laughs> I do not have much of anything to say other than it was fantastic talking with y'all tonight. I look forward to next week's episode the uh like i said the trailer looked crazy so that is all um hope everyone has a great week keep listening you can get a hold of us at uh, dvrpodcast.com or at gmail.com and uh gina also great reconnecting talking about the show alice in wonderland and i leave with burn charlotte hale burn as my, Amen. Amen. As my closing thought. <laughs> All right. Well, bye, y'all, and say howdy to your moms for me. <laughs> <laughs>